Thank you. Thank you, Seb. Um, Seb, can you do me a favor? I don't see the light. That one. That one. <laughs> so while Seb uh, switches on the light, you may want to turn in your Bibles to Colossians 1. We're going to talk about verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 6. And we're going to talk about hope. And as an introduction, um, Bruce said he doesn't want to embarrass Lauren, so I'm not going to do that. But Lauren, we knew everything about your trip because of Facebook. And I hope that uh, that embarrasses you. But not as much as I was embarrassed by my parent. I had uh, three parents, my father and my stepmother. And then I had my biological mother. My biological mother's life was a total mess. Very interesting, colorful life, but a total mess. And I blame her for a lot of my character flaws. I hoped often that my father and, and uh, uh, stepmother would come and watch me swim or run, you know, attend some of my athletic um, adventures. They didn't. I always hoped that my biological mother would not come because of her, her colorful character, but she did. <laughs> and it was a swimming gala, and uh, I swam well at school. I usually won in our in our in our. Uh, house sport, and it was a 100-meter free stroke, and I had the lane closest to the main stand. And if you've been to a gala, you'll know that between the lane and the main stand, only people allowed there are the marshals, right? Mother didn't care about that. As I turned and I swam the last leg, halfway through, I became aware of someone jumping up and down next to the pool and screaming, Brahmi, go Brahmi, go Brahmi, and the next moment she fell into the pool next to me. <laughs> Yes, I did one. Mother came second. <laughs> you can imagine my, my embarrassment, uh, grade 11. Uh, I was fairly new in that school, and, and uh, I, I just ended the race, and I just kept my head down, waited for the whistle to blow, because you're not allowed to leave the pool before then. Got out, went to the changing room, went home. Now I had to go. This is a Thursday evening. Friday morning, we have uh, assembly. So I dreaded that morning's assembly. What the headmaster did was what I hoped he wouldn't do. You can hear that the theme is hope, right? <laughs> he called me to the front. And he gave me a, uh, a reward. Um, a biakirki, what do you call that? A trophy. And the trophy was for the, the swimmer with the best support. <laughs> so we want to talk about hope. And I'm sure that if I would ask you, and I'm going to ask you after we've read, what are the things that you hope for? Now, don't give me the catechism, doctrinal, Christian answer. I want to have real-life hopes that you have. I'll share some of mine, apart from the fact that I wanted my parents to come and watch me other hopes, and you'll get an idea of what I'm looking for, and you can help me to build the illustrations of this sermon. You may say, a friend of mine hopes, and then we'll understand it's not you. So we want to start reading at verse 1 of Colossians chapter 1, uh, just to get the, the intro before we get to verse 3. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, 
to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now the verses that we want to pay attention to this evening. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. For this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Okay, so what do you hope for? Well, I'll start. Um, I, I was hoping that our children would come and visit us for Christmas. True. What do you hope for? Sonia? Hope for good health. Good one. Anyone else? Hope that all our children will be safe. Those are very good hopes. Yes. All your, all your children's. Any other hopes? Get rid of COVID on my list as well. Yes. Or let's just ignore it. I hope that we'll just ignore it. Anyone else? My sisters will come and visit. Good hope. Lauren's family will ho hope that she'll never go to England again. No, right? I'm not so sure. Just the ladies, some of the men. Have you lost hope, men? Any one of the men? Seb, what do you hope for? Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> so... Okay, so you may want to share, whenever you, f you feel the need to share in the next five minutes, feel free to do so. But you can see from that, that uh, I mean, the things that I hope for, that our children will come and visit, that's not going to happen. We realize that now, we gave up hope. It's not going to happen. So many of these things that you hope for may not happen. There's no guarantee and no certainty that these things that we hope for in this life will actually happen. But why is hope important? Why did Paul write to the church in Colossia? And, and that church, his warning in the letter is against false teachers, primarily. That will turn them away from the truth of the application of the gospel more than anything else. So why would you write to them in the beginning of this letter and say, you, it's clear that you have faith in Jesus and that you love the saints and you do those things because of the hope that is in you. There's the fuel for that action that we all need to get to in this life. It's for this life that he says that. So why does he do that? Well, one of the reasons we find in one of my most favorite verses in the Bible, and it's one that Nettie and I try and remind ourselves often of, that we, we live by it, and it's 1 Peter 3, verse 15. I want to start reading at verse 14 just to get the introduction to that verse. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. So what Peter is saying here is if you experience any suffering, and suffering can be that pain that you feel when a loved one does not come and visit, 
or when you get that news when one of your children were involved in an accident, or when you hear that they'll stay in England longer than they should. That pain that you feel, I did say I was not going to embarrass you, eh, Lauren? I forgot, sorry. Uh, that pain that you feel, that's part of the hopelessness that we can feel, but we have that command. So, what Peter is saying is, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Of those people who may cause you suffering, or because of the suffering. Don't fear the suffering, he says. Don't be troubled by the suffering. Why? He says, instead, but, verse 15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So have a reverence for Christ. Make Christ your main object of value, of worth, of hope. You'll never be disappointed. So don't fear or be troubled by the troubles of this life, whatever it is. And you'll be able to do that if you adhere to the but. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And here's the outworking of that. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So you may have a list of expectations that you believe would bring you happiness. And we shared some of that. It may be a new or a renewed relationship or prospect of a more stable income, a better service delivery. <laughs> That's going to happen. Reliable electricity supply. Immigration to a, a law-abiding society. How about better friends? A more serious pastor. That can also help. Ultimately, most if not all of those earthly hopes will disappoint. At some point, it's not going to happen. At some point, it will stop. And we've learned to live here in South Africa with disappointments, haven't we? So all you have to do to make sure that your worldly hopes do not happen is wait. Just wait long enough and you'll be disappointed in some or even all of them. Verse 5 says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So Paul wrote to the church in Colossia to fortify it against the false teachers who might try to impose stricter rules about eating and drinking and religious festivals. So, and Paul expresses gladness, he expresses joy as he hears of how the, Christian, the Christians fulfill the hope they have in heaven. Let me just tell you that uh, I'm in a season of unexpected and unexplained joy in God. I'm, I'm so glad that I have that. And it's, uh, it's often because of circumstances, but often unexpected, that I'll, I'll read a verse and I, I'm, I'm just joyful, and especially this portion. That's why I wanted to share it with you today. It fills me with hope, that joy, that, uh, that pleasure that I have in God. And I know it's a season, it may go away, I pray it doesn't, but hope for every day is more realistic because the eternal hope that we have and that we are reminded of that. And I want to remind you again that this life is not the main event. The main event is to come. Eternal life with God in glory is around the corner. For that reason, we may as well live this life to the fullest. Christians can have an unconcerned passion for this life because everlasting life 
is guaranteed. And it's not far away. That well-known song includes these words. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again. And it's one of Seb's hopes that was fulfilled. He was hoping that I won't sing it. Who crushed my curse of sinfulness and clothed me in his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power upon my heart. Does it give you hope if you hear the good news about what God does for you? If your mind is set on the things of this earth, your hopes will be dashed on the rocks of regret. But if your mind is set on things above, the rock of ages is your reliable hope. And thankfulness is a test of hopefulness. That's why Paul starts with, I thank my God whenever I pray for you. Thankfulness and then hopefulness. I read a story about uh, Mexico. In Mexico, there are springs of hot water and cold water next to one another. And the ladies of the area would come and they'll bring their washing and their soap and they'll wash their washing in the hot water and then rinse it in the cold water. And a, a group of tourists came past and they saw this and they spoke to the tour leader and uh, the guide and they said, but these ladies must be so grateful to Mother Nature for providing them with this. And the tour guide's response gave us human tendency. He said, well, actually not. They are upset because Mother Nature does not provide the soap. It would seem that the human tendency is to be ungrateful and therefore hopeless. If we can remind ourselves often of the things that can be thankful for, it builds our hope and we're going to do an exercise at the end of this discussion. In the midst of many blessings in this world, too often we have to be reminded to be hopeful. We have to train our minds to respond thankful and hopeful. In these verses that Paul wrote to the church in Colossia, we are reminded of the main reason for our hope. Who is the source of our thanks and hope? Jesus is the source of our hope. If you can remember who Jesus is and what Jesus does, nothing in this life will get you down. You will moan less, you'll smile more. You'll be more effective as a witness to God's goodness as you tell more people of your eternal hope. Who would want to believe in your God if you moan all the time? Who would want to come to your church if you moan all the time? Who would want to worship your God if you moan all the time? No one. Jesus is the giver of hope. And the good news story about Jesus gives and sustains hope. So, very briefly, let's consider three aspects of hope that Jesus gives. First one is, Jesus gives real hope. Second, Jesus gives lasting hope. And thirdly, Jesus gives personal hope. And I looked at my timing for this sermon, and the introduction is the longest part, so hang in there. Colossians 1 verse 4 says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The Springbok rugby team in 2016 and 2017 went through a very difficult and rough patch. The coach was, who was the coach? You'll know? Alistair Kutsia. Difficult time for the Springboks. They, uh, they had a record score of 57-0 against the All Blacks. The All Blacks had the 57. 
Here's the statistics. Of all the games played, we only won 44%. That's why something had to change. So Rossi happened. And if Rossi just didn't do that video, <laughs> I hope he never does it again. But it changed, so under Rossi's uh, leadership, the Springboks jumped to 50, almost 65.5% winning margin. And the whole team changed. Change is important for us to experience the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Well-known South African pastor Martin Holt used to say, when someone become, becomes a Christian, even the cat at home must realize the difference. We easily use Christianese like, I know Jesus, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, I accepted Jesus. But the reality is that Jesus makes a real difference in a person's life. And if you and those around you do not see a difference in you, then the question is, are you truly a Christian? Are you a different person than before? Are you different from the world? And here's the measure of the real change, in line with the hope that you can have. If you're not really a Christian, you have no hope. You may as well then work hard at doing things in this life. In Colossians 1, from verse 9, Paul describes the effect of this real hope. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. And those verbs are all in present continuous tense. Being filled with knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit. And also in 2 Corinthians, there Paul tells us, if any man is in Christ, that man is a new creation. Nettie and I enjoyed that our children informed us and introduced us to a reality program that is called The Block. It's an Australian program. Have any of you seen it? We, we loved it. First one was a bit confusing, but we loved it. So The Block is uh, about uh, a number of couples, four or five, I can't remember, who are chosen among many who try to get onto The Block. And then they have a number of weeks where they have to build a house. There are two parts to this building. The first part is they receive an old dilapidated house that has to be renovated. But there's a structure and you're not allowed to change the structure. You have to renovate this old house. And then at the back of that or to the side of this old dilapidated house is a new structure. They put up that structure and they have to create new rooms there. And they get points um, for how well they actually do the rooms. And that at the end of the, the whole series, the, the couple that wins are the ones whose house sells for the most on an auction. That's the whole story. So the two parts, renovation and new rebuild. So the person who really met Jesus has not been renovated. The person who really met Jesus has been rebuilt from scratch. 
In his letter to the church in Rome, Paul wrote, Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you meet the real Jesus, you can't remain the same. All hope in human promises will disappoint at some stage. Hope in Jesus will ultimately be proven real. Jesus gives real hope. Andy Davis sums up this real hope in Jesus like this. He says, hope is the product of the word of God plus healthy faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, Hebrews Hebrews 11 verse 1. Ultimately, our hope is for our full salvation in a perfect world, perfected souls residing in resurrected bodies, inhabiting a resurrected world called the new heaven and the new earth in which there will no longer be any death, mourning, crying, or pain. Nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth can stop this from happening. Hope should radiate and pulsate and emanate from every aspect of our ministry in Jesus' name. For his kingdom cannot fail. God's sovereign power will not let it fail. Real hope is not for a better life now. Real hope is for a perfect life then Jesus gives real hope. Secondly, Jesus gives lasting hope. Verse 5 of Colossians 1, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. When Jesus saves you, he does not change you for a moment or for a day or for a week or for a few months. He changes you forever. God starts a process of consistent change in you. He starts forming you day by day into the likeness of his son. You look more and more like Jesus. And I'm not talking, talking about the character with the beard. I'm talking about the likeness in Jesus as far as his character is concerned. Especially the behavior that you show under pressure. You want to test your character? Test your character in the midst of trouble. In the midst of those news that you get that you hope you never would get. Christian character shows over time. Real Christian character lasts because real Christians have a real hope that lasts. Matthew 24 verse 13 says, but the one who endures for the next week to the end will be saved. You may remember the great commission of Matthew 28. Just listen to the promise attached to that commission. Read from verse 19 of Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A life for Christ is a changed life until the end. Old habits, old hungers, and old desires of the heart are a thing of the past. And a new way of thinking has replaced it. A new behavior replaces the old behavior until the end. Nettie and I often would watch one another as we get older and we find those characteristics that may not be good ones because guess what will happen if you grow older? They'll become more prominent. Bitterness and envy and jealousy, they'll become more prominent. So we try and encourage one another and, and she'll say to me, just remember in 20 years' time how this, what this will look like. And then that is 
enough to scare us off the bitterness. Christian, your failing, your questioning, your lack won't outlast God's hope. Nothing of this life will outlast God's hope. Jesus gives everlasting hope. Third, Jesus gives personal hope. I'm going to read through those verses again and just listen to the personal nature of these verses in Colossians 1 from verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The church of Christ is growing, and it is growing person by person. One of the clearest confirmations of the personal individual aspect of salvation and the hope of Christ is found in Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That phrase, to work out, is not a laboratory experiment. It's not a maths problem that needs to be worked out. It means to work at your salvation until you go out, until the end. And then Philippians 2 verse 16 points to the end of this hope that introduces the permanent hope. It calls the end the day of Christ. So you work out, you work at your salvation until the day of Christ. The end. As, as I was thinking through what I wanted to say this evening, and as we were sitting earlier, and when Bruce asked us just to spend a few moments in quiet, I was again reminded of a thought that I often have, and that is that God made the first and only mistake in eternity by saving me. If I think of the devastation that I left in my wake Lies and deception and many people's lives ruined because of what I did. If God knew, and he does, of all my badness, he must be a fool to save me, to change me, to love me, to secure my salvation for all eternity. But God is no fool, and you would be a fool to think that God is a fool. God did save me, not because of what I was, or not in spite of what I was, but because of who his son is and because of what his son did for me. John Newton, slave trader, became a Christian and became a Christian by reading the Bible on his ship after God used the storm at sea to scare him. And he became a very effective instrument in God's hands. And Newton is known for hymns like Amazing Grace. He said the following about personal change that builds personal hope. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
So dear friend, you stand alone before God. Unless you have Jesus to protect you from the wrath of God, you have no hope. But if you can't claim to be a child of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus for you personally, then Jesus is your personal hope, now and forever. Jesus gives personal hope. Do you have that hope? So we see that Jesus gives real hope, Jesus gives lasting hope, and Jesus gives personal hope. How will that play out then, just for us to conclude? How should this hope then play out in our lives? Verse 3 says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints. So because of the real, the lasting, and the personal hope that you have in Jesus, you will become known more and more as someone who has faith in Jesus. And you will be known as someone who has love for all Christians. So let me challenge you, as I had to and have to challenge me. If we have to ask other people in the church, will they recognize you as someone who has faith in Jesus and someone who loves all the brothers? Why would anyone want to become a Christian like you if you talk and live a life that shows a lack of faith and a lack of love? Why would hopeless people come to you? People have reason to be hopeless, right? Things are not working as well as they could. That's a fact. But therein lies your opportunity. If everyone had hope, they would never be hopeless and they will never have a reason to come to you for your hope that you display in your faith in Jesus and your love for the saints. Believing Jesus and loving Christians shows that you have that unique hope in this life until Jesus comes. So I, I did promise to do something different, and here it comes. It'll only take a few minutes, but you need to play with me. So some of you uh, know that one of my joys in life is uh, once a week, uh, I do a Christian perspective on the news for Radio Pulpit. So I, I get hold of the news about half an hour before they broadcast it live, and uh, I choose one or two of the uh, news articles, and I then give a Christian perspective. On that, And you've got two to three minutes to do that, so you have to be quick. So about half an hour to 20, 20 minutes to half an hour to prepare, and then they read the news, they call me, and I give a Christian perspective. Uh, the benefit of that for me was to change my thinking about the realities of this life. And in all circumstances, Nettie and I are now like that. We immediately jump to, but what is... God's perspective, what is a Christian perspective about this situation, and it's a joy to have that, and I think that adds to this season of joy that I'm experiencing. So I want you to think about this. I'm going to give you a scenario, and then you, you must think or shout out if you want, uh, what is the reason to be thankful, because that will build your hope. What is the reason to be thankful? So we, we had an, ex, an exercise this morning, so who was it? Was it... Uh, Lisette, you're not allowed to shout out this morning for the first one. So you have a party and you're cleaning the dishes. What reason do you have to be thankful? That you had food. Good one. Other reason? Company. You had friends. Yes. Water. 
Yes. Hot water. Yeah. Dishwashing liquid. Yes. Mother Nature didn't provide it. God did. All right. What about this one? This is going to be more challenging. What reason do you have to be thankful for the taxes that you pay? The taxes that you pay. What? Money to pay taxes. Earn an income. You've got a job. Yes. It should be, yes. <laughs> it pays duty salary. Yes. Yeah. Well, what, what reason do you have to be thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug? What? Extra food. Yes, more than enough to eat, right? We had, uh, we had a doctor in Pretoria who, when people would come to me, he told us the story. He, uh, he would say to them, he'll listen to this story, you know, they're very overweight, and he'll get them to sit on, uh, on the, that bed thing that they've got, which is not really a bed. And he does all the things, takes their blood pressure and looks in their ears, and then he'll say, just, just swallow, and they swallow. And he says, okay, that works. He says, okay, now for the next 10 seconds, don't swallow. And he, and he counts down. He says, oh, so you can control what goes down there. <laughs> what reason do you have to be thankful for the maintenance that you need to, be, to do? Gardening and windows and gutters and pipes and all things that break at the house. What reason do you have to be grateful? Yes. You have a place to live. You're healthy enough to do it. You, you're doing quite well. What reason do you have to be thankful for the parking spot on the far end of the parking lot? You get your steps in. Yes. You have a car. <laughs> there is a spot left. You're doing quite well. Maybe, maybe two or three more. Sorry? There you go. If it's a parking at the church. If you don't find any parking at church, you must be grateful. Don't go home. Just leave your car for someone else to take. How about this? What reason do you have to be thankful for all the complaining that you hear about your government? <laughs> what? Yes, you have free speech. They don't just throw you in jail if you... It, it speak, depends. Here's a real challenging one. What reason do you have to be thankful for the increase in the price of electricity? 20%. What? We sometimes have electricity. And we only pay when we use it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Right, here's one that applies when I sit behind you. What reason do you have to be thankful for the person behind you in church who sings off key? Yes. And you can be thankful for the fact that you can hear. Yes. All right, last one. What reason do you have to be thankful for the alarm clock that goes off early in the morning? What? You won't be late. Good one. You heard it, yes. Just woke up. You're alive. How's that? You have a job. Yeah. You have a reason to get up. All right. I think that's enough. Thank you for entertaining me. This was the last Sunday evening service of 2021. Isn't that great?
listen to this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Father, we want to merely thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have an eternal hope. Thank you that our hope is secured because of what Jesus did, and that there's nothing that we as believers can do to thwart that plan and to dim that hope. Help us as we live challenging lives that we will not lose hope, even in the things of this life, but that we will be always reminded of the good things that you give us inside of the difficulties. We are reminded of what Paul wrote to the Romans. We know that you cause all things to work together for the good of those who love you. And, O oh Lord, we do love you. Not enough, but we love you. Amen.